I listen to people who don't vote and they say cute little things like, oh, I'm just not interested in politics. Oh, it just encourages the politicians. Oh, they're so boring. Oh, they're all crooks. If you are not participating, if nobody ever explained to you that you have a responsibility for how this country is going, then you really missed something important there in school. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, it is your responsibility, whether it does well or not. It is up to citizens. We're the ones who run this country. Turning outrage into outcomes. This is the Texas Blue Action Podcast. All right, what's happening? Uh, Good afternoon or good morning still actually here. And uh, welcome to uh, the first in a little while, a new episode of the Texas Blue Action Podcast. My name is Chris Mosier. I am a content production specialist for Progress Texas. And so I'm doing a little guest hosting gig today. Uh, with my good friends at Blue Action. Uh, we are, are joined here by Executive Director Lana Hansen of Texas Blue Action Democrats. And we are also joined by Shri Preston Kulkarni, who has joined forces with Texas Blue Action for a really, really cool and exciting new project, which is the reason we're here to uh, to gather and, uh, and discuss. And this is about the Two Million Texans Initiative. Uh, now, we've talked a lot about the efforts that progressive forces in Texas have put towards uh, engaging and activating as many voters as possible. Uh, this is a nuanced and uh, and kind of refined strategic approach to that sort of, of an effort. And of course, that's what Texas Blue Action is all about. But since uh, we are kind of at the, uh, we're within that 100 day window towards the, uh, the, the next election coming up in November, and it's been a little while since we did one of these, I thought we'd start with Lana Hansen. Give us just a basic real quick, history of Blue Action Democrats. Uh, it's truly a unique and remarkable uh, uh, organization, especially for, for this part of the country. Tell us about how Blue Action started, what the original mission was, and kind of the, a, a brief overview of the evolution over the last or, or the first several years that it's been around. Sure, I'd love to, Chris. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. As Chris mentioned, it has been a little while since we've been here. And the truth is, it's because we've been busy getting a lot of shit done here in Texas because we take these cycles, you know, we take every election seriously. So not just presidential years, but every single year. And, and to Chris's point, you know, we do have a really neat, unique origin story. And that is basically that, you know, in 2016, they elected the grab him by the pussy guy. And a lot of women in the suburbs got real upset about it and said, not on my watch. But more importantly, they were more um, frustrated at the fact that the areas they lived in in Austin that were so gerrymandered were being ignored by Democrats. Candidates weren't coming out and talking to them. The party wasn't coming out and talking to them. And so what they decided to do was organize just their neighborhood. Right. And 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 turn out voters. They knew there were other progressive voters there that were being ignored. And so, you know, they started old school canvassing, talking to their neighbors, inviting them to events and then in running GOTV efforts. And the first year that they did that brought them into 2018. And those nine precincts ended up flipping three down ballot seats and having uh, the highest Democratic turnout in the state of Texas. And this was an area that had been red for 30 years. So the proof was in the pudding. And after that, we've grown to a statewide organization that is currently, you know, monthly knocking doors, phone banking, deep canvassing, doing all the work that is required to build year round civic engagement so that we have turnout for school board elections and city council elections. And, and you know, this year, 
we decided that we needed to take it to the next level. And that's when Sri and I and, and Carrie, our founders, started having conversations. And we said, you know, the one thing that we're missing here is a massive relational organizing program. And we knew that Sri was the perfect person to partner with because he had not only run for Congress here in, in Texas 22, but had also then went on to Georgia to help run a campaign that was similar uh, to help Ossoff and Warnock, you know, end up in the Senate and, and, you know, play a very important role for us as Democrats nationally. And so, um, you know, we decided to bring him on as our chief strategist and, and roll out this massive two million Texans relational campaign uh, that, that is really taken off like wildfire. But but Shree, why don't you tell us a little bit about why we would do that? Why would we decide to add that? Or Chris, yes. Let me interject. And uh, and I was going to direct the same questions to, to Shree, but let's also review the successes that they've seen in Georgia that we would love to see replicated here in Texas. Let's review that a little bit. So, um, so, so maybe Maybe like what I'll, I'll start with is uh, George, and then we can come back to Texas and end with Texas as well. So um, sure. uh, thanks again, uh, Chris and Lana. Uh, thank you, Lana, for bringing me back here <laughs> to Texas. I was with the Biden administration for a year and a half. And uh, honestly, uh, D.C. was not the place. Texas is where I need to be. And I'm so glad <laughs> to be back. Um, but I, I did after my campaign, I went to Georgia for two months. And what we did in Georgia was we put together a 40, um, in 40 days, we put together a 160,000 person uh, relational statewide GOTV network. It was the largest one ever in American history. And it, it, it was a work of a lot of different people, you know, many folks around the state, so many different organizations doing grassroots work. But um, together, that coalition was able to flip two Senate seats, two Senate seats at one time. We took control of the entire U.S. Senate. In fact, I remember as we were leading into Election Day, nobody thought we had a chance. Nobody. I mean, around the country, people did not think that we could take both of those Senate seats and win the U.S. Senate. Uh, it was about eight o'clock that night when Warnock pulled ahead and people are texting me from from Houston, from Austin, from Dallas saying, congratulations. And I said, hold on a second. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Right. Um, it wasn't until 1.15 in the morning. I actually left to go back to my hotel room at 1 a.m. and in the Uber ride at 1.15, um, uh, I, I, I saw that uh, Ossoff had pulled ahead. We had won the U.S. Senate. And I texted my team, we can curse on this show, right? I, I oh, texted yeah. the team, I said, we just fucking saved the world, right? That's what I told them. Unfortunately, we were not able to celebrate um, because 12 hours later was January 6th. Um, I, I will tell you, like I did I did go back to Georgia. You can kind of see here, if anybody's looking at the video, I've got a tattoo <laughs> to prove it. Um, I used to be a foreign service officer and all my tattoos were in other languages from the countries I, I was posted. And there was one dedicated to my dad. This is the first tattoo I got in English. You can see um, it was, uh, it says good trouble because it was dedicated to John Lewis who had passed away six months earlier. I think he would have been really proud of us. It's an outline of the state of Georgia. Every single petal on that Magnolia uh, um, is represents 10,000 voters that we mobilized in that campaign. And the Magnolia is blue and people say, Magnolias aren't, aren't blue, are they? And I said, no, but neither was Georgia until this year. And then they asked nice. me, well, how could you possibly get a Georgia tattoo? Uh, Cause you're from Texas. And I said, just you wait. When we flip Texas in November of 2022, I'm going to get a giant blue Texas across my chest. So that's I'll fantastic. Be that too. <laughs> that's that's really taken me back to the excitement of that moment. And and lest anybody really you know miss the big picture here, this is the reason that there is a 50-50 lock in the in the Senate with us having the the deciding vote with uh, Vice President uh, Harris. So it's like you guys really did in in a in a very meaningful way save the world. There's so much that's been done. Uh, in the first part of the Biden administration that would not have been possible without that. That's right. Yeah. And 
And, and I think that, uh, you know, the big issue, like like the three of us have discussed many times personally here in Texas is, is the narrative around what we need to do to make a difference here, right? We have a lot of organizations that are doing a lot of work, but we just haven't moved the needle far enough to make it happen. And so, you know, I think that that's why the innovativeness of this program and, and the fact that it hasn't been done at this level in Texas is so important in this moment. And, and Shri, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about what that means for you and, and, and how you saw that work in Georgia and why you think it's going to work here in Texas? Sure. And, and I just want to piggyback on what you said, Chris, as well. Um, so many things would not have happened if we hadn't won those races. You know, we wouldn't have been able to cut child poverty in half like we have over the last couple of years. Uh, we wouldn't have had the biggest climate change action uh, probably that we've ever had in this bill that just passed if we had not won those two sentences. We wouldn't have the student debt relief package that just passed this this week that we got without um, all of this work being done. And we wouldn't have judges all across the country who are at least helping us stave off some of this fascism that's coming hard at us all over the country if we hadn't won those two Senate seats. So all of this was made possible by the work of organizers on the ground in Georgia. But we have to do more and we have to do it right here in Texas. So, uh, so Lana, to answer your question, I, I actually want to take a step back to, say, to talk about what uh, led up to Georgia, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so going back to our original campaign, uh, my campaign for Congress back here uh, in the Houston suburbs uh, in Texas, 22 and 2018 and 2020. Um, you know, when I when I came back here, I, I um, just left the um, uh, just left the administration as a foreign service officer. And I came back to a district that was thirty four point nine percent red. That's how much Pete Olson had won by here. And in uh, one cycle, we, we actually cut that down to 4.9%. We cut it by 30 points. But how did we do it? When we looked around our district, um, it was one quarter immigrants, but nobody was campaigning to these immigrants because we spoke over 100 languages out here in Fort Bend, in Sugarland area. Um, and what I was told is it's too expensive to campaign to these folks. But what, what that really means is that it's too expensive to advertise to these folks. And that's what most of the time what we do in campaigns, and I can tell you because I spent three years raising money the way that all candidates are told to do in order to make sure that we go out on television, we have advertisements. And they said, you can't advertise in 27 different languages. Well, guess what? That was actually the cheapest part about our program because we recruited people from those communities and we were phone banking in 27 different languages, in Chinese and Vietnamese, Hindi, Urdu, Arabic, Spanish, all across the Igbo, Yoruba, every single immigrant community. But more than that, it wasn't just campaigning in those languages that was important. It was campaigning with those communities, with volunteers from those communities who were actually reaching out not to strangers, but to people that they knew. When you give them a list of people who speak this language in their community, guess what? It's probably someone you know. And so I'll give you like the, the gold standard. The gold standard, there's a community here of uh, Shia Muslims in Houston. It's the epicenter in North America of this community. We had 3,000 of this community called Ismaili Muslims here mm -hmm. in Houston and in Texas 22. The average for the state for turnout in 2018 was 47%. But this community, they were relationally organizing themselves. Uh, in Urdu, my campaign manager was from this community. Um, and in fact, the first two Muslims ever to be elected to a state house, they're gonna be elected in November. They're both Democratic nominees in Dallas and right here in Sugarland. They're from this community. 3,000 voters, you know what we got their turnout up to? 83%. 83%, almost double the turnout of the entire state. So that's what you can do with relational organizing. And for those who are not familiar what we're talking about, what does this word relational organizing mean? It's kind of a buzzword. 
um, across the country. And some people say, well, relational organizing is just organizing, right? And then other people say, well, this is something completely new, something completely different. And the answer is actually both, right? It's actually old. Um, it's very old. It's what people used to do back in the 1800s or before we had television is we, we actually reached out to people in our community. We depended on those personal connections rather than trying to talk to strangers. But some, some of this has been lost over the last 60 or 70 years. And I honestly think it's to the detriment of our elections, but it's also to the detriment of our democracy because we treat each other like strangers all the time. It's what creates that kind of apathy. And that's what we're fighting. And Chris, you talked about whether uh, people are voting or not before we started this, um, uh, this podcast. We talked about, you know, is Texas really a non-voting state? And yes, Texas still is a non-voting state. And it's because people don't want to be telemarketed to. They want that human connection. And so right. um, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example. Um, people were phone banking for me. And for those who haven't done it before, you are on a dialer. You're calling again and again, calling strangers. Somebody pops up on your screen and it just says, Chris, and you read a script that says, hey, Chris, I'm a volunteer with blank, blank X campaign. Hey, Lana, like, would you come out to vote for X? And it's a stranger calling you, right? I don't know about y'all, but I don't answer unknown phone calls. And in Georgia, yeah. we were getting them all the time and people are getting them all the time right now. So I looked, people who are phone banking for me every single day, I looked in their phone and during early voting and there were people in their phone who still had not voted. And I said, please don't call another stranger until everybody that you know has actually right. shown up to vote. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the point is that all of us, Chris, Lana, me, Beto O'Rourke, everybody who's watching or listening right now, I guarantee you, you may say everybody I know votes, everybody I know is a Democrat. I guarantee I'll find you at least one person in your phone who did not vote in last election. And sometimes you don't know who it is. There was a guy in my first election who had my yard sign in front of his house. He had done an event for me at his house. And I looked, he had not voted. After the election, I found out he hadn't voted. And I called him and I said, how could you not vote? And he said, oh, I was really busy that week. But I figured somebody yeah. else voted. Somebody else voted. And the, and the truth is somebody else is you. Somebody else is you. Um, right. I have someone in my own family who didn't vote until she was 40 years old. And, it, and you know why she voted at 40? It wasn't because... We sent her a million or $10 million worth of ads. It wasn't because we called her house a hundred thousand times. Why was it that she voted that very first time? It was because it was me who asked her. She wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. In fact, she probably would have voted straight ticket Republican if I'd asked her to, right? This wasn't part of her life. And she was one of those people, those 6 million people who didn't vote. That was her. And the only thing that got her out was that relationship. And so uh, just to be clear, because sometimes people think we're talking about a texting program. We're talking about an app. The texting, the app, like all of that stuff is just a way to connect people. But this is a relationship program. This is one of the oldest things there is. And we need to get back to those fundamentals of uh, connecting people through their human relationship, the ways that we naturally connect. This is human nature. And we're trying to replace human nature by uh, by blowing up their phones with ads every single day that just actually people tune out. They, they tune out right. the ad. And, you know, it actually does worse for democracy, in my opinion. It seems like something that uh, all of what you're talking about is, is, a, is a basic blanket societal ill that we've got across our country. You know, people who don't know their neighbors and people who, again, you know, uh, are actively, you know, dislike a call from a stranger, just like you're talking about. These are just facts on the ground. But when you when you've gotten used to ha being disconnected in that way, when a personal connection comes through, it feels so good and it's such a good thing. You know, and I'll also say I'm sure all three of us uh, share the condition of maybe being the family wonk, if you know what I mean. Like when it, when, it, when an election comes around, I get a call from my sister, I get a call from my brother. Who should I vote for? Who's good? Who's bad? Whatever it is, you know. And and I love I love that, 
but that's really not enough. You really have to, with what you guys are talking about, of course you service the people, you know, in your uh, family or social circle that want to hear from you, but you also got to kind of expand beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to make a point about this because a lot of times we focus on one specific candidate, right? Whether it's Barack Obama or Beto O'Rourke. And trust me, I love Beto. Like I, I love him to death, you know, but he is one person. He is one human being. And um, a movement is not one person. It's all of us. And we need to elect people like Beto, but we also need to elect people like Luke Warford and Susan Hayes and people all the way down the ballot. People like Lena Hidalgo and KP George as county judge, all the way down to Justice of the Peace and Drainage Commission and all these things that people don't actually know what's on their ballot and what i've found is that if you tell people go vote straight ticket go vote all the way down the ballot right what is it that you can say to somebody who wasn't going to do that that's going to change their mind and i've tried at the doors i've tried to hand people three pieces of literature oh vote for me and these five other people it's too much for someone to, to right. comprehend what are all these people and and one thing you can do is you can hand out a, uh, a slate piece with everybody's name all the way down the ballot so it makes it easier for people but you know what's even better than that What's even better than that? Hey, Chris, I know you don't know any of these judicial candidates, right? Like, I got it. I know you don't know this Justice of Peace candidate. I got it. But you know who you do know, Chris? You know me. If you trust me, Chris, you trust my judgment. We've known each other for 10 years. I need you to vote for all of these people all the way down the ballot. Because if you don't, we're going to keep having the same kind of problems that we have right now. We're going to have the same terrible leadership. We're going to have a grid that isn't fixed. We're going to have kill children under under danger every single day in their schools across the state. We're going to have women who are literally going to be dying because we don't have the right leadership. So I need you to vote all the way down, not for anybody else, Chris, but for me, because you know me. And that is the only way I've seen to be able to get people to vote all the way down the ballot. It's that personal relationship. All of this is trust. It's trust. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what elections are all about. Who do people trust? They don't trust, honestly, Chris, people don't trust the media now. People don't trust the courts. They don't trust our elections themselves because people are trying to undermine them. How right. do we reinvigorate that democracy? How do we reestablish that trust? It starts with who do you trust right now? And if you trust me because we went to high school together, if you trust me because you're my cousin, if you trust me because we work together every single day, that's what's going to reinvigorate our democracy, relying on that trust between human beings. Well, and that empowerment tree, right? Like people need to be asked to the party, eh? especially when it comes to our democracy, because they think it doesn't matter, right? They've been beat up over and over. My votes don't count. My votes don't matter. But when somebody that they care about is saying to them, it does matter because it matters to me, you know, that's much more likely to get people to show up. It's also, you know, it, I don't know about y'all, but have either of you ever got a mailer in the mail and said, oh, I'm going to vote for this guy because this crap is on here. Because his mailer looks good. Nice, glossy, glossy <laughs> right, look, you got a really cute family. I think I'll vote for them. Like, it just doesn't work, right? And when we're talking about policies and things that are important, to a lot of people's credits in Texas and elsewhere, they don't have time to figure it all out. Y'all, I mean, there are a lot of parents out there that are working two jobs and just trying to get their kids fed and from A to B. And we need to simplify this process for them and help them understand this is when you vote, this is where you vote, and this is why you vote. And I'm asking you to do it because it matters to me, not because so-and-so called you from wherever and, and said to do it, you know? And, and I think that that's a really important aspect of what we're doing is, is also to help remind people and empower them that, you know, we need everybody to show up and do this because it does matter. And, and, and just to add on to that, Chris, um, you know, this isn't just about winning elections, right? It's also about what happens the day after the election because 
say if you know Beto or anybody asked you for your vote, right? How, how do people how do people get reconnected with their community? How do they know they're connected to our government and our democracy? Um, if we do things like cut child poverty in half, if we do things like fix the grid, if we make our, our children safer and we you know save women's lives, how do people know about it? They hear about it from a press release. How many people like pay attention to a press release or it pops up? Maybe it pops up on social media. But what's even better than that? If your community is organized like that 3000 person community here, if you hear it from your community, if it's not just mm -hmm. somebody, a politician in, in D.C. or Austin, but it's somebody that, you know, saying I'm asking for your when you have a problem like, you know, we have a, a landfill out here and there's noxious odors coming in, uh, through our neighborhood. You can raise that up with your community just the way that people used to do before TV, they, they used to do this through their community. And when you raise that up, if you raise that up, up to the governor's level, right? Beto is not gonna answer everyone's email or everyone's text message or everyone's uh, phone call to the, to the governor's office. But you know what? If, if he's connected through all of us, through our communities, they, they every single person from Beto all the way down to Justice of the Peace, they can communicate to the community and say, this is what we did for you. And so what we're doing, people feel like the government is something out there. And I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, or neither. So many people feel that right now. They're disconnected from their government. And what they should feel is that in a democracy, they are the government. The, the, the government is us in a democracy. But that's that's what we're doing right now. We're reestablishing their faith. We're letting them believe that their vote actually matters because it affects their lives and their families' lives and their communities' lives. So the effort that's being undertaken by uh, Texas Blue Action Democrats, again, is called Two Million Texans. Uh, where did uh, is is that the goal? Is that is that what we need? Two million Texans and uh, and tell me a little bit more about you know the logistics of of how this is going to be executed. Sure, sure. So, uh, so go back to my campaign. We had about thirteen thousand people relationally organized through their communities like this through personal connections. And what a lot of people said there's there's so much research out there, Chris. You know, if you go through the academic literature, th this is more than double the effectiveness of knocking on doors. This is more than four times the effectiveness of phone calls. But what people always say is you can't do this on the level of a state. It only works on small scale, right? Well, what we found out in Georgia was, no, that's not true. In fact, just the opposite. I'll give an example of Suleiman Lalani. That's where I'm right now. I'm in Houston. Obviously, I'm in my car in Sugarland. Um, say say uh, my network wants to vote for Suleiman Lalani, but because the way the state rep districts are cut by gerrymandering, half of them or more than half of them can't vote for Suleiman Lalani. Well, in Georgia, the district was the entire state. And so basically everybody who was in that state, which was 90% of most people's friends and family members, they were all in the district. So they could all vote for Warnock. They could all vote for Ossoff. And in our case, that means if you have a friend, if you're living in Sugarland, but your friend moved to Dallas or to Austin or El Paso, all of them can still help us get out each other's contacts. So if somebody, they know somebody who can vote for Suleiman Lalani here, in, um, in uh, uh, Sugarland, or someone for Lena Hidalgo in, um, in Harris County, or someone for Beto or Luke or Susan or Janet, all across the state, every single person is in the district. And that's what we found in Georgia. So we were able to build in Georgia a 160,000 person network, but it was in 40 days. And so when we first got there, people said, you can't do this in less than 40 days. That's all we got to the runoff. It's too quick. And the first week we only had 800 people 800 voters in the program. The second week we had 1500 voters and, you know, in a 2 million person election, uh, people said that's nothing. But the difference between this and what we normally do is that if you spend three hours block walking or six hours block walking, you block walk twice as many doors. Same things, three hours phone banking, six hours phone banking, twice as many phone calls. But if you spend three hours adding your contacts to the network, here's what happens. 
not only do you find people, you're like, oh, I haven't talked to this person in a while. But if you find a strong Democrat, a strong progressive in your network, what are you going to do? You are going to reach out to them right now. And you're going to say, I need to recruit you to join this network, too. And that's what we did in Georgia. We started doubling the network every five days. So that 800 voters a few weeks later had become one week out from Election Day, 60,000 voters. Five days out, 80,000 voters. On Election Day, 160,000 voters. So if we had kept going, three weeks later, we would have been at a million voters, right? Well, we're going to find out because that's what we're doing right here in Texas. Everything awesome. has got to be bigger in Texas. So we are going to get out 2 million voters, 2 million voters across the state in our network. It's going to be the biggest uh, relational, coordinated statewide, the biggest relational network that has ever been seen in American history. And it's going to cause a shockwave, not just for Texas, but for the entire country. And so we've been at this for 16 days, Chris, right? And we already have 27,000 people in the network which is huge. Um, you know, Shri and I launched in Austin, but then we traveled to El Paso and we spent the day in Houston and, and doing all these trainings in between. And, and people are so excited and enthusiastic about it, right? They, they, I mean, literally we were at a training yesterday and I can't remember the woman's name, Nina, maybe Shri. And remember she at one point stopped and yelled to the whole room, everybody needs to do this right now. Like she was just so excited. And, and, and it's that kind of hope that we need all also in Texas too, right? Like, because people really wonder if we can do this. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that we can. And to Shree's earlier point, you know, gerrymandering has eaten us alive here in Texas, but we have these incredible statewide candidates and these numbers can, can gap that, right? What we're trying to do here can be the difference in winning at, at the top of the ticket or not. Atlanta, you sort of brushed by that number. I want to pause for a second. Okay. Because, yeah, because yeah. We, we, we hit this number yesterday. And honestly, we, we were doing events all over Houston. We were in in the morning. We were in Chinatown with Leslie Briones. And then we went down to Missouri City, Fort Bend. Then we went to Clear Lake. Then we went to Pearlands. We were all over oh, over Houston yesterday. And uh, and Lana, Lana said uh, in Clear Lake, she said, oh, we've already hit 24,000. It turned out that we hadn't hit 24,000 yet. So she said, we definitely have to hit 24,000 at the next event. Uh, voters added to the network. Yeah, because I didn't want to be a liar, you know, right. like I, I threw this number out there and I was wrong. So I was like, oh, we better fix that. So by by, by the end of the event, like we I, we said, we got to hit 24,000, make sure Atlanta's not a liar. We didn't just hit 24,000. We hit 25,000 by the end of the event. Awesome. Uh, people are so excited about this. And we hit 26,000 before midnight last night. And just to put those numbers into context, because people are like, what exactly does 26,000 mean? Remember what I talked about doubling the network every five days? In Georgia, with half a billion dollars being spent, the entire country's attention on Georgia, you know when we hit $26,000, I mean 26,000 people in the network? 10 days before the election, 10 days before the election. Right now we're 10 weeks out from the election. We've already hit 26,000 voters. So if anybody tells you, well, Georgia was different, uh, everybody cared about Georgia. Texas isn't, you know, Georgia. What they're saying is that, you know, we don't have the energy. We don't have the volunteer strength. I'm telling you, we do have the volunteer strength. I've seen it all over the state in the last week. Texas is not only the same as Georgia. It is bigger than Georgia. It's going to be bigger than anything we've ever seen in this entire country. We've already got the numbers approved. And Shri, to that point, Texans care. Right. Like, I don't care what the nation thinks. Like, I live here. I'm raising my family here. I'm affected by these policies. I care. And so does everybody around me. And that's why they're going to do this. You know, and, and, and Chris, I want to make it clear to anybody that's listening too that one of the most important things about what we're doing here is not only to help us win in November, but but we're building out. So So when this program is used just for campaigns, when the election comes and goes, 
the network dies, right? It dies with the campaign. And what Shri and everybody who joins this network is trying to do here is we're going to keep this network alive cycle after cycle through the continuing organizing work that we do. So we're not starting over every two years with trying to connect with voters. So our goal here is, okay, it's two million Texans in November, but after that, then it's four and it's six. And after that, Republicans should just give up because then we've won. The fact is we no longer have the, that luxury. I mean, we're, you know, we're in a continual state of what's the next election, what's the key issue, who are the key players. That seems to be going on all the time, and that can be exhausting to someone who does not have a sufficient um, degree of, uh, of context and how important all of this is. But once you do have that context, and once you have had that personal connection with other people who share the way you're thinking, it becomes exciting and it becomes fun. And it, you know, mm-hmm. activism is fun once you get rolling with it. And so that's that's what this seems to me along that personal connection, not about advertising and not about any of the, the the more standard sort of approaches, this personal thing, I think is going to really, really have legs. It's, it seems like it's really going to charge people up and keep people moving forward to the next election and the next one and the next one. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of points you raised there, Chris, and Lana, too. So one, in terms of election to election, has anybody ever said this is the most important election of our lifetimes? Every and then you time. Kind of every two years. <laughs> every every time. Year, right. right? And it's hard because people say, how could it possibly the most, be the most important election of uh, your life every two years? Well, let me ask a question. Um, is going to the grocery store the most important food that you're going to eat <laughs> this week? <laughs> uh, you don't stop buying groceries. You don't stop eating. We need to have pe- make it easier for people to just do this as a matter of course. Voting should be as easy as going to the grocery store. It should be as easy as going to the gym. But if you don't go to the gym every week, guess what? Your muscles atrophy. And there's a lot of people whose democratic muscles have atrophied. And right. we want to make sure that we're exercising those mus- muscles regularly so it becomes easier. And so how, how easy is it? So Lana said, when this goes, when this is built, when we build the 2 million Texans network, we don't have to rebuild it again. And let me just be clear what that means. What that means is that, um, A, if you tell us, Chris, you say, I'm going to add my network to your network, to your 2 million te- Texans network. You're not just adding your own network. If you have 500 people that you know in your phone, and most people have like several hundred people at least in their phone. I have over 5,000 people in my phone. You say, these are the people that I know. But then you combine that network with Lana's network and my network and Lena Hidalgo's network and Beto's network and Luke Warford's network and Rodney Ellis's network and all these networks, uh, networks of swing left, indivisible, Black Lives Matter, uh, March for Our Lives, all of these groups all across the state. Guess what? You know what? Those networks, and you can't see if you're... um, if you're at home, uh, if you're just listening, but if you can see the video, these are my fingers and these are the fingers of all the other networks coming together. Um, let me, let me show you. There's whole, <laughs> there's these little tiny holes there. The holes become smaller and smaller as you combine people's networks with each other. Right. right. Here's right. the thing. If you phone bank, if I phone bank you today, Chris, or say, you know, your relatives or your friends, I would have to phone bank them three or four more times before November, just to remind them to show up to vote. If you tell me who your friends are today, how many times before November am I going to ask again? Are they still your friend, Chris? Are they still your friend? Zero, zero. You've done it once, once and done. We know what that network is. And then after that, if we if we phone bank 10 million people before November, how, how many times are we going to have to call them? 
before 2024 another 10 million times. But how many times are we going to ask you before 2024? Hey, is your friend still your friend? Is your cousin still your cousin? Is your neighbor still your neighbor? Zero. Right. So that means that 2 million Texans that Lana talked about for November, November 9th is the date. We don't, we don't have to rebuild it. We start building 5 million Texans or 6 million Texans for 2024. So that's right. what she meant about us never, never electing Republicans again. And for every down ballot candidate, think about this. If you're running for constable or justice of the peace or judicial candidate and you have two volunteers and you don't have a lot of money, people always ask, like, how can I how can I campaign? I get asked all the time. The easiest way to do this, you bring your 200 person network, say, even if you barely know anybody. And I guarantee you every candidate knows more than 200 people. I have my two volunteers, Lana and Chris, each one of them add 100 people to the network. Right. And I've just said, OK, here's 400 people that I know they're in the network. What do I get out of the network? I get 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 voters from everybody else's contact as part of the network. So we're all working smarter, not harder, because if I'm if I'm phone banking or knocking a door of someone who's in Lena Hidalgo's phone right now or in KP George's phone right now or Greg Kassar's phone right now or, or one of our, our great candidates all the way down the ballot, we are all wasting our time. And that's what this is about. Saving people's valuable money if you're in a campaign, saving people's valuable time. If you're a volunteer, why would you want to block walk or phone bank someone who's in my phone or Lana's phone or Chris's phone or one of your friend's phone right now? We are trying to save all of you that effort. And for the voter, too, we're saving them because why would one of your friends want to get called eight times by 10 different campaigns in the next two months when they could just get one call from Chris that says, hey, make sure you vote tomorrow. Right. And so that, that's how easy this is. And, and the last point I want to make is that it truly is easy, Chris. It's, in fact, in four years of campaigning in Texas and in Georgia and Virginia, all over the country, I have never found anything that was as easy to do at this. In fact, the hardest thing to do is literally just get on the mobile app. I, I was sitting with a woman. She was about 80 years old the other day. She didn't know how to download apps on her phone. We had to try every single finger to find the right fingerprint to open up her phone. <laughs> that was the hardest part. Once you get into the app, it's a and we do a one hour training and we do them virtually. We do them in person all over the state. Once you do that one hour training, you will see, Jesus, th th it's been this easy this whole time. Just telling you who I know can help us win elections all across the state. It's the easiest thing to do. It's the cheapest thing to do. You can do it on your own time. Once you've taken that one hour training, you can keep doing this while you're waiting at the doctor's office. You can do this while you're waiting to pick up your kids because people have busy lives and busy schedules. And we want to work with people. We want to make sure that young people, students are able to do this. We want to make sure that immigrants are able to do this. We want to make sure that people in safe democratic districts who had turnout rates of 31 or 32%, that they are doing this too. And if we do all of that, then it's going to be a, a piece of cake. It's going to, it's literally going to be easy for us to win statewide if we just combine our efforts so that we work smarter and not harder. So I want to, Shri, I want to, you know, really reiterate a couple points that you made there that, you know, you went, went through that I think is really important is that A, this, this type of network helps every single candidate on the ballot, right? So, so, which we need, right? There's a system in place that has to play, meaning we need people at all levels that support our policies and our values. And this helps all of them, especially the down ballot candidates that have very little resources to do this type of organizing. This network is gonna do that for them. But also one of the most important things that I think you know, needs to be repeated about this this program and something that when when Shri and I initially talked was very important to, to both of us and all the Blue Action people and everything he's doing is that we all have to start working together in this state from candidates to all the orgs. I mean, there's people across this massive state that are doing incredible work, but we're replicating efforts. We're not working together. We're not resource sharing. We're not doing all the things that, that make 
organizing more efficient. And so this network is really building the big bench. Like the door is open to every single person that wants a seat at the table to be able to be involved and, and put their work into a network that's going to continue to have support and, and help them organize year after year. And so I think that that is one of the most beautiful things about what we're doing here is because we are really combining all the efforts of people across Texas into one big organized program to start fucking winning. <laughs> no, because I'm real tired of it. I'm real yeah. tired of not fucking winning. So it is you know. time to start fucking winning. That is for damn Thank sure. You. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Uh, Lan, I'm, the, the part about fucking winning, yes, but the part about coordinating, <laughs> I can tell you in my campaign for Congress in 2018, um, we had people block walking the same neighborhoods, right? We had, I, I can't tell you the number of times there were some Beto volunteers who just dropped literature, knocked on doors either the day before or literally the same day as my volunteers, crisscrossing the same neighborhoods. Um, other vo other volunteers from other groups, like whether it's Swing Left or Indivisible or unions, all in the same neighborhoods, calling the same people again and again, right? We, we do not want to do duplicated campaigns. We want to do coordinated campaigns. And here's the thing. There is no way that we can duplicate in this because if, if Rena Hidalgo enter like puts her network into the system and adds it to our network. I'm not going to mark Lena Hidalgo's cousin as my cousin. I'm not going to mark Lena Hidalgo's high school classmate as my high school classmate because each individual has a unique network. So think about this. If you sign up for a, one of these traditional methods to call strangers, you bring an 18 year old college student who's part of an immigrant family. You bring a 58 year old farmer from rural Texas. Um, you, you, you bring, um, you know, um, uh, uh, a 30-year-old um, who, who's a, a suburban uh, mom, a soccer mom, all together, you're going to treat them all the same, right? They're all going to phone bank the exact same people. They're all going to knock on the same same doors. But actually, each one of these people is unique. Each one has a unique network. And so we are taking your unique networks, the value that you add from your special relationship with these people, and we're putting them all together so that um, there, there's no way possible we could duplicate. We are making sure everybody everybody's time is being spent better everybody's dollar is going farther all, all of this is is coordination that we we desperately need and when we're duplicating efforts like that there are people that are getting touched 12 times and then there are people that are being left out right where when people are engaging their own networks we're not leaving people out and we can target these special groups that have been left out or have lower turnout like you mentioned 18 to 29 year olds immigrant communities the communities that have uh safely different districts and so so that is massively important and i know y'all were we're over time here but i do want to make mention that that one of the most valuable things i think in this in this project and just so that everybody who's listening has sort of an understanding of of what this means and how we're going to help you turn out the people in your network is that as we go into early voting we're going to have a data team in place that's going to reach out to every single person that's in the network and say hey you have 86 people that haven't voted yet. Could you send them a text or a phone call and remind them where to vote and when to vote and why to vote? And then the next day we're gonna send you one that says, hey, 83 of your friends still haven't voted, man. I need you to get on the phone. And as Shri likes to say, when it comes down to election day and you still have three people, he's gonna ask you to call him and tell him he won't be their friend anymore unless they vote. That might be a little extreme. Chris, even if 86, those 86 of your friends actually voted themselves, what if their wife didn't vote? What if their son didn't vote? What if their right. next didn't vote we're going to add all those people in so you're not just getting out that one voter you're probably getting out four or five extra voters that you didn't know about and by the way campaigns calculate this the democratic party beto joe biden they calculate this how much does it cost to get out 
one new Democratic voter, if you have a thousand contacts in your phone and a hundred of them weren't going to vote by themselves, the Democratic Party is going to calculate it's about $300 of advertisements to get out one new Democratic voter. If you could get out those hundred people, that's $30,000 just by t attending a one hour session, getting an app and clicking through people for about 30 minutes on your phone. Think about it. Have you ever had a $30,000 worth of value in 30 minutes? Never. And all those ads and everything are going into silos anyway, right? The people who need to see them aren't seeing them. The people who do see them, you know, have already made up their minds. Like, you know, it's just we might as well light the money on fire. It's been such a huge, especially in in Texas, you know, considering that we have such huge major markets that are it's it's so expensive to do any kind of advertising in any of the, the, the population centers in Texas. I mean, this this really is a very, very exciting kind of paradigm shift away from uh, that's super duper expensive, you know, and, you know, people get tired of also another part of all of this. People get tired of constant uh, solicitations for fundraising. This is different. This is people talking to people, friends, talking to friends, family, talking to family. And uh, and it's it's something that our like I was saying before, our society needs this anyway. And this is happening, you know, at a moment when there is a there is a, a very, very specific and important purpose behind it. So just to let folks out know out there know anybody who's listening right now, how can you be part of this? How can you support this effort? No, um, if you want to chip in a little bit, absolutely. We have a link that you can chip into this effort, but I'm telling you, it is 150th the price of the program that we ran in Georgia. 150th right. of the price. So anybody, we're welcome to chip in, but we're really not asking for money from y'all. What we're asking you for is people. We want right. to train your Chris, and I'm, I'm talking to you specifically. I want to train your friends next week on this, get them to be volunteers. We need to train 30,000 volunteers across the state. So every one of you can sign up, join our Facebook group, 2 million Texans is our Facebook group. It's a closed Facebook group. We don't want Republicans joining us there, but um, you can join our Facebook group. We're going to be posting information about all of our trainings and we've got live trainings all over the state. We got a live training um, on Tuesday um, in Dallas. And so anybody who's in Dallas can show up uh, to, to our training. We'll post uh, we'll post the address for that Tuesday night. We got virtual trainings every day. We got a virtual training tonight um, with uh, Jay Clayberg and with Mike Collier. And there's probably going to be at least a hundred people on that training there. Uh, you can sign up for a virtual training. You can join our Facebook group. Um, you can look us up on on our our webpage, which is uh, uh, it's uh, Lana, it's TexasBlueAction.com, right? Or actually, it's two MillionTexans.com. Or two, two million Texans.com also. You can go to yeah, two million. Yeah, we'll also Texans. take you there. Right. That's right. So you can go to our website. You can find out about it. You can join the Facebook group, Two Million Texans. Um, you can come to one of our, our virtual trainings. And especially, you can bring some of your friends because that's what this is all about. It's about your relationships. So if you bring, uh, if you go to one of these, bring at least two or three friends with you because that's how we grow the network. Um, if, you, if you take 30,000 volunteers across the state, if each person, if each person just puts in 60 people from their network, 60 people, you know how long I timed myself the other day, how long it took me to click through and add 60 people from my network to the 2 million Texans network. I did it in about six minutes, six minutes. It took me to add 60 people, six minutes of time. And, and you will have helped us get to 2 million Texans. You're going to help us flip the entire state. You're going to help us elect Democrats all the way down the ballot and send a shockwave across this entire country. That's right. And y'all, you can download the Reach Progressive app and join the 2 million Texans campaign. And there's a chat in there where you can talk with us and we'll drop all the trainings and all of the things in there to um, answer all the questions. But uh, thank you, Chris and Shree for being here and, and all the great work that y'all do to, to you know, help us flip Texas. And um, 
I'm just so excited to be a part of this project. I've been organizing in this state now for a handful of years, and this is one of the most exciting projects I've ever been a part of, hands down. Uh, Shree and I are both like surviving on four hours of sleep, and not because there's like no time to sleep, but because we're just so excited to get up and work and do this every single day. And I think that tells you everything you need to know. I did want to throw in, uh, before we wrap up, a, a get well soon and best wishes to Beto O'Rourke, who has has seen a, a bacterial infection that landed him in the hospital uh, over the last few days. I understand he's recovering and home now back in El Paso, you know, and that just goes to show how hard that guy's working. So, uh, Beto, thank you and uh, and get well. And, uh, and man, it's all, you know, we all know the effects of working really hard. Sometimes it can impact your health. And I, I believe that's what's happened with him. And so, and yeah. we, we need that guy healthy. I mean, the rallies and the work that he's doing to bring people together from all sides of the aisle is absolute magic. And, you know, so we, you know, Beto, our team is, is, you know, wishing a speedy recovery for you. By the way, Chris, I, I know this from uh, my level, just at the congressional level, you get physically exhausted. You try to push yourself harder and harder every day sure. because you're so committed to the cause. And I know Beto was trying to push himself through, you know, as he was getting sick. But the truth is when, when Beto's down in bed right now, that's when we all need to step up. Every single Absolutely. one of us. This is not one right. person. This is all of us. We got to show Beto that we are going to do the work, e- even while he rests and recovers, because we do need him healthy. But a movement is not just one person. All of us have to have his back. And so everybody out there who's listening, if, if you're waiting, because some folks have said, you know, I was tired after 2018. I was tired after 2020. I'm tired too. I'm exhausted too. But the reason that we're out here fighting every day, we're working 14 hours a day to do this is because we're tired of the kind of leadership that we have in this state. And right. just, and just one more point, Chris, right before we, we started this podcast, you asked this question to me about whether this narrative that we're a non-voting state is truly true still, because we've done so much work in the last few years. Yes, right. we've done so much work and we are this close. Just to remind people how close we were in 2018. Does anybody know how close we were to flipping uh, Ted Cruz out of office? 2.6%, 2.6%. That is not a red state. That is a purple state. In 2020, we needed nine seats to take the Texas state house and stop all this horror. There were 6 million people across the state who didn't vote. How many votes would we have had to flip to take all nine of those seats in 2020? I hate it every time you say this number. Every time you say this number, it makes me mad. The number is 12,000 people. 12,000 people had flipped their votes in 2020, and we take the Texas State House. None of this happens. None of this, whether it's Roe versus Wade, whether it's, whether it's um, our, our safety in our schools, whether it's the grid. We, we could have taken the Texas State House if 12,000 people had, had flipped their votes, and there are 6 million people who haven't voted. So, Chris, yes, we are still a non voting state, but we are this close, this close. If y'all can give us just two more months, we can flip this entire state and it's going to change the history of this entire country. I promise. It's a really, really exciting moment. I'm so glad to learn more about 2 million Texans. We've been with Shri Preston Kulkarni, who's the chief strategist for the 2 million Texans effort, and Lana Hansen, who is the executive director of Texas Blue Action Democrats. And uh, that's going to do it. Chris Mosier, uh, guest hosting this time on the Texas Blue Action podcast. And uh, I think we'll be hearing more about this in upcoming weeks. I think so. We look forward to it. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for listening and for watching, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Texas Blue Action Podcast, a production in affiliation with Progress Texas. Texas Blue Action is founded on progressive grassroots action, focused on year-round neighborhood organizing and committed to building sustainable democratic infrastructure in Texas. We turn out the voters that the Texas GOP fears the most. 
Production by me, Chris Mosier. Theme music generously provided by James McMurtry. Join Texas Blue Action at blueactiondems.com and also on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week.